0: What do you want? You're locked on to the big show, presented by Big O Tires. Just doing it big, you know? Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Utah State Aggie basketball program and their new head coach, Ryan Odom. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he covers college sports for the Washington Post. He's Patrick Stevens with us here on The Big Show. Patrick, thanks for a few minutes. How are you?
2: I'm well. How are you guys doing?
1: Hey, we are doing great. Uh, Let's tell Aggie fans what kind of head coach they're getting.
2: Uh, they're, they're getting a guy that, that is a, a really, really sharp cookie. Uh, and I think back to five years or so ago when he was being introduced uh, at UMBC, and, and UMBC had had seven consecutive 20 lost seasons and won 41 games in that span. It was really not a good situation to be w- walking into and immediately wins 21 games, uh, goes to the CIT semifinals, uh, really figures out a way to to, to recruit quickly and reload a program that hadn't done much for a decade. And then obviously the next year uh, heads off to the NCAA tournament and pulls that memorable upset against Virginia. You know, you look at what he's been able to do for the most part. uh, His teams play really good defense uh, and offensively not quite as sharp over the last few seasons, uh, but overall really elevated that UMBC program. Uh, during his five years in the in the Baltimore suburbs, uh, and I think Utah State's getting a really really good coach.
3: Now that game that you referenced there, I believe it what was the scoring. I can't four. It was a like twenty point victory, right? Yeah, it, uh,
2: it, was, it was 74-54, Yep.
3: Yeah, against uh, UVA. First of all, you got to understand that my partner over there is a Va Tech fan, and so he uh, it was great. He's all for One of the best anybody that that beats UVA. So he's. He's, uh, he's,
1: <laughs> I'm a big fan <laughs> already.
3: R- Ryan's got <laughs> great favor with Jake, but, uh, in that game, how did they pull that off?
2: Well, I would tell you this, that that team had a really exceptional little point guard, five foot eight guy named KJ Mora, who really just a, a fearless little guy. Uh, and then a true scorer in Jairus Lyles, who, who, uh, R- Ryan Odom had inherited when he got the job, but also, you know, managed to, Keep around for a couple of years. Uh, and you know, when you face that Virginia team, the way that they play, teams kind of psych themselves out, I think, a little bit just by rushing shots and figuring that if they don't take a, something that looks open, uh, that they're just basically not going to get an opportunity to get another decent look in a possession. UMBC moved the ball really, really well. I think they were 12 of 24 from three point land, which if you're going to beat a Virginia team that was as good as that one was, you were going to have to either make a bunch of threes or be able to drive to the bucket with some quick guards. Uh, and so they made a bunch of threes and Virginia, they, they got fortunate a little bit too, that Virginia had an injury issue. They've been without DeAndre Hunter after he'd gotten hurt in the ACC tournament before that. And so the, the Cavaliers weren't quite right, but at the same time, UMBC played really well in that game. And it was, it was not fluky. I remember watching that game on TV at home and, UMBC was probably up about 12 with 12 minutes to play or something like that. It's like, you know, they're not going to give this game away. And that, that, I think, is something that stands out about Ryan Odom's teams is is that they're really smart. They take care of things that they should take care of. They're disciplined. Uh, And and an interesting thing that I noticed about him in his first couple seasons that really stood out, especially that first year, is because of how he's one of those guys that believes that, uh, you know, it's it's sometimes better to let guys play through some not just mistakes but tough situations. You're not gonna see that quick quick trigger timeout with a five oh or seven oh run going the other way. he's a guy that's very cerebral uh, and and is in his mind is prepared guys to deal with game situations so that he doesn't have to use the timeouts in situations like that.
1: Were folks uh, out there surprised that he left for Utah State?
2: Uh I, I, I I, I would say this, that, that you know, UMBC is kind of a, a suburban commuter school, uh, and it really isn't as a, a, a huge deal locally, I would say. And, and I'm not trying to be dismissive in any way, but it's not. It's it It's really, you know, between Baltimore and D.C., kind of a pro market. So uh, I, I would say this, that from from the perspective of somebody that, that pays a pretty close attention to college basketball, I thought it was a really smart move on his part going to a, school that's really committed to basketball and has a good recent history and a good history really over the last 20 years or so of being able to field really good teams and, and be really competitive. You know, He'd been in the mix for uh, the College of Charleston job that opened up last month when Earl Grant went to Boston College. Uh, and so it's not a huge surprise uh, that after five years uh, at UMBC that he would be looking for a different gig. Did I expect him to be going a couple time zones away? I, I can't say that. Uh, but I think it's a smart move by him as well as a smart move, move by Utah State in hiring. What kind of recruiter is Ryan Odom? Well, it, it's, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think you're talking about different kinds of jobs there. Uh, I know that in, in, uh, it, at UMBC there was a, a lot of looking at, at junior colleges. Also took in uh, a fair number of guys that, that were either uh, transfers from a, from a level down, for example, uh, they had L.J. Owens, for, who played a year at William and Mary before he spent the last couple seasons at UNBC. Uh, also, looked internationally; had a, had a couple of uh, had a couple guys from England on the roster. I think arguably their best player uh, this past season, certainly one of their most important the last few years. R.J. Idle Rock, uh, the junior guard, uh, came from England. And, and then there's obviously guys uh, from the Baltimore, Washington area. it's a, it's a good area for. For for basketball and and some of his best players were also from from that neck of the woods. So I don't know if there's a specific uh, recruiting philosophy there, uh, but I suspect, given his history, that he'll he'll have a, a a pretty good plan in action ready to go right right from the jump once he gets into Logan.
1: We're talking to Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post, talking about the new Aggie head coach Ryan Odom. And I've been trying to figure out the best way to word this question, but you know, uh, the guy he's replacing Craig Smith at Utah State was a big time energy guy, a big positivity type of dude. And we've had coaches around here like say, you know, Rick Majeris or or probably a better example, Jerry Sloan with the Jazz, or kind of more hard nosed, demanding type coaches. So what is what is Coach Odom's vibe? What what, what type of guy is he?
2: He's a thinker, I think, uh, as much as anything else is the thing that, that stands out to me. And, and I've known Ryan re- before he got the UMBC job. He was an assistant at Virginia Tech, and I was I was covering Maryland, so we crossed paths a few times uh, in those ACC days. Uh, and, and the thing that stands out about him is, is he's somebody who thinks about stuff. He 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 really sizes up situations and, and makes judicious decisions. And so. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, a guy that's going to be a huge rah-rah, you know, that that kind of thing. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that's going to think through things and, and size up situations really well, uh, a really thoughtful person. And I, and I think he'll fit in well. He's obviously not Craig Smith by any stretch of the imagination, but but I think he, he will prove to be a pretty worthy successor for him out there.
3: He's the son of a coach. I mean, you no know he, he probably he grew up eating and drinking and thinking basketball.
2: He, he absolutely is the son of a coach. And he played. Uh, his dad was an assistant coach at, at Virginia uh, through a good chunk of the, the, the 80s uh, and late 70s working for Terry Holland, uh, was a head coach in East Carolina, was a head coach at Wake Forest. Uh, I think Ryan was off in college by the time the, the height of the Tim Duncan era uh, w- was underway down in Winston-Salem, played at Hampton-Sydney for Tony Shaver, who was a longtime head coach at William & Mary. Uh, and, and has obviously been in the business here for for 20 years or so now, uh, and so yeah, you know, you know, Dave Odom is a guy that that would pop up from time to time, uh, at, up in uh, up in Catonsville here in the Baltimore area, uh, and, and a guy who's who's well known for for being a, a pretty talkative and 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 chatty person. So you know, R- Ryan's very engaging in that way too, uh, but I I think also you know he's he's got his own personality, uh, but I'm sure he did pick up quite a bit over the years. Uh, from a dad that, that coached at Wake Forest in the ACC and at South Carolina in the SEC.
1: What did you think about last night's game and uh, how the tournament rounded out?
2: Well, you know, on the one hand, you got to give Baylor a ton of credit uh, for being able to piece together the game that it did at both ends of the floor. I thought it was it really took advantage of Gonzaga's defensive uh, really weaknesses. I, I was surprised just how vulnerable Gonzaga was there. Um, but at the same time, I was, you got to be a little disappointed after having a, this one-versus-two matchup that everybody had been waiting for uh, since December, really, because the teams were supposed to play. I think it was back on December 5th, and the game didn't get played. You finally get it, and Baylor's up 9 nothing out of the shoot, and it's really not a, a terribly competitive game. So you know, I, I, I give a lot of credit to Baylor for being able to snip the nets and, and, and hang that first championship banner. Uh, but I would say that the game itself probably did not live up to the expectations so many people had for it and the hopes that those two teams would play at some point this season. It was just a tremendous performance by Baylor and, and probably the worst that Gonzaga has played all season and Baylor obviously had quite a bit to do with that.
1: Patrick, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it.
2: No problem. Thanks so much for having me, Phelps.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Patrick Stevens uh, covers college sports for the Washington Post, uh, coming on with us and uh, giving us kind of a little insight of uh, what kind of coach Utah State's getting.
3: You know, that whole transition going from the Baltimore area to Logan, Utah, I wonder, does that matter? Does the local knowledge really matter? I know he'll probably find some coaches and – and, and get some insight in that regard. But when it comes to what I asked about recruiting, I wonder how difficult that is, what kind of adjustment Ryan will have to make, if, if at all.
1: See, I think it matters less in basketball than it does in football, at least here. I'm talking about here. Maybe, it, maybe that's different in other places. But basketball, I mean, when was the last homegrown stud basketball player at Utah? Britain. Boy,
2: that's Mark a good
1: Mark question. Jackson went to Olympus, right?
3: Yeah. Uh huh. Jordan Love. Like Jordan Jordan Love yeah. was a
1: good player, but he wasn't the best player on those teams. Right.
3: He was good though.
1: He was good. We can throw him into that conversation. I mean, point being, it just doesn't happen that much around here.
4: Who's it's the true. kid up there right now that looks like he's eleven? Oh, uh, Jones. Ryland Jones. Yeah. He could, he could be.
1: He could be if he, if he develops, yeah.
4: He does. He looks like he's 11 years old. He, he does look young. I don't mean to disparage the kid. No, he just does look young. He's very
1: good, but yeah. Very good, yeah. So uh, whereas I think the football team has really leaned on local talent. Not that they always get the best of it, but, I mean, you can think of many examples of, of Utah's best players that were from the state. So in, in basketball, one player, if you can you know convince one really good dude to go to Logan, Utah, uh, a la Keda, I mean, you're going to have some success. So it's. I I think it's more important in football than it is in basketball. Let me put it that way.
3: So Ryan Odom walks into the home of a recruit that's uh, from, say, South Carolina and says, son, I want you to come to Utah State. I want you to come to Logan, Utah. What kind of sales job does he have to give to have someone (laughs) – Travel, what twenty five hundred miles away to play basketball in a place that's quite different than where he grew up.
1: He's going to tell him, "I'm going to play you, and we're going to win."
2: <laughs>
1: what all coaches say. Yeah, I suppose. And I, you know, the other stuff. Um, Logan, I love Logan. Logan's lovely. I mean, you can you can talk right, to him about right. coming to a college town and the facilities and all all that sort of thing that goes into it. But I mean. You know what do most basketball players want to hear? I'm going to play. And I'm going to win.
4: And and how many offshore accounts you have access to?
1: I suppose.
3: Oh well, you gotta you gotta have a bag, man.
1: Can right. I get two tutors?
3: <laughs> Are you impressed by Odom's overall record, 126 and 81? I seven seven years as a head coach.
1: What I'm impressed with is him building the program. I think that's the most impressive thing. I mean, we can look at overall records, but you you heard Patrick talk about the program that he inherited over right, there. Right, right. And it was in some rough shape. What do you say they lost 20 games every year for anyway. We could go back and, and get the exact number, but I mean, he took a program that was beyond underwater and turned it into a winner. I think that's the most impressive part about his res, uh, resume as a head coach.
3: And, and the fact that he could coach a team that's a 16 seed It's the first time. Is that the only time that's ever happened? Yes,
1: but I think his career boils down to more than just one game. Myself, but that's just. But that that shows
3: that shows something, you know. I know you want to diminish all things that happened in the NCAA tournament, except for you picking Baylor to go all the way. But I, he, his team, under his leadership, accomplished something that had never been done before. That that I mean that is that not an ensign of uh, accomplishment?
1: It is, but uh, I still maintain that the most impressive part of his resume is that he built the program, not that he won one specific game.
3: Well, both, well, both. Let's include both in that.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Good. So we'll see so if he could. Sometimes. I am not. We'll see, uh, you know, what kind of staff he assembles up there. And uh, listen, with I think you, Logan is a place you can win as a basketball coach. I, I do. I think they've got a lot going for it. They've got a tremendous amount of uh, of uh, support. That environment when it's cooking up there at uh, at the Spectrum is.
3: Oh, yeah. You walk in that yeah, building when that great. thing's filled up and the fans are going.
1: You can sell that to players. They want to come and, and you know be the big fish on, uh, in a small pond or big man on campus or whatever cliche you want to use. You know that's you can you can recruit that. I, I absolutely believe. I mean Craig Smith did. He did a great job.
3: I just I wonder about location. I wonder how uh, how, how I mean when you go into a home and you say hey I'm going to play you and we're going to win a lot, but but it's in a place unlike any place you've ever been before. Especially if he is has his roots along the east and southeast, I, I wonder. I wonder if that's a, a challenge he has to overcome, or whether kids just are eager to go play wherever you know, wherever. When I when I back in the day when Wyoming had those teams that were pretty good, and they were bringing in players from all over the place to Laramie, Wyoming. I mean, I I've always been impressed when Wyoming wins, because. I mean, those are wide-open spaces, and it's not, it's good for who, who likes that sort of thing. But a lot of basketball players don't necessarily come from that kind of environment. And uh, I think I like Logan uh, considerably more than Laramie. No offense to the folks from Wyoming. I mean, Laramie I, Laramie has its charms, too. I've had some fun up there through the years, just going to events, sporting events up there and whatnot. But, you know... Logan, Utah is different than Baltimore.
1: It's, it's very different than Baltimore, but you've got you've to sell what you got, and they've got plenty up there at, at Utah State. Is it different than other places? Of course, but is it Mars? No.
3: If you were a kid and you were a good basketball player, you're coming up and you do have some options, and a coach came to you and said, all right, uh, Jake Scott, I know you can fill it up. You've got a shooter's touch. You've got good court vision. I want you to come to the University of Maine, and we're going to kick some butt. Would you? Would you go? Well, well, the opportunity sounds good, but uh, Maine—really? Do I want to go to Maine?
1: I wouldn't rule it out. You give me pay for my college, I'll go pert near anywhere.
4: It really depends on the other options you might have. Yeah, if it's Maine or the University of Hawaii, you probably want to go to Hawaii.
3: Uh, not necessarily. That's a lot of travel, you know, going back. Well, and, and, and Maine's forth right next door.
1: Pacific. I mean, uh, here's what I'd do: I'd I'd uh, I'd recruit around Halloween time. I'd take them to the Halloween Hall up there in Logan, and I'd take them over to the White Owl for a for a couple of burgers, and uh, and say, Hey, listen, come here, and you're going to score twenty points a game. That's my recruiting pitch. Maybe
4: go sledding
1: at Sherwood Hills. Yeah, right. do something snowmobiling at Tony's Grove. Right, do something fun and say, hey, listen, Go to Bear Lake in the spring? Here's what you really care about. I'm going to run all of the plays for you, all of them. So you probably should come here and play. And well, if one,
3: thing, one thing you would definitely want to say to him is don't speed coming up uh, through sardine
1: <laughs> Hey, that cop's gone now. In fact, don't they not have any police officers because didn't the whole department quit?
4: Yeah, currently right now it's uh, the Wild West at Mantaway. At Mantaway, Mantaway anything
3: me. goes? Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. Uh, Okay, so so the guy who ticketed me and has ticketed half of the state of Utah is no longer there?
4: Well, or- the guy that ticketed you in half the state of Utah actually moved up into, like, uh, a, a judge's position or something, and he's what? been ousted as well.
3: So. What? 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 <laughs> okay, so he's no longer in the patrol car. Yeah. He's behind the—he's on the bench?
4: He was. He's not now.
1: Oh. How about that, Gordon? Uh, uh, citing you got that guy promoted. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, to this day, I wasn't in a hurry. I was lollygagging along, and I just let my speed get up there a little bit, and I knew that guy was there.
1: How much was a little bit? 130.
3: Uh, I, don't I don't know. Over 100 no, miles an on. hour? No. Yes. No. Oh, no, it wasn't.
1: It no. was? No!
3: I would deserve no. it if I was going over a hundred. No. no, no, I was going like seventy or something. You know, I just I just, I just edged up there a
1: little bit. Oh, that's that's not how I remember it. What, what did you say right there? Seventy. What do you mean? If you were who who
3: who was there? I was there.
1: Was anybody else there? No,
3: just me and I, the sneaky cop.
4: You were headed to a show that day, correct? Yes, I was. And you did. So I heard the story that day, and it seemed like it was differently
1: told that day. Yeah, like a little bit, a little bit quicker.
3: No, I don't. I don't. I, well, like I, at, at least know. seventy-five. It, it, it over but, seventy-five. Ah, over. No, no, it wasn't. No, no. It wasn't. Triple no, digits. Wasn't. No, not even close. Oh, I, no, we
1: could look I it up. Isn't it public record? I don't think you can look up a speeding ticket. Oh, you can't. I don't uh. think so hmm like, well if you're going you that fast sudden, though the, the, if you're going that fast though is that because uh, uh, if it's like a felony it's probably
3: no no you gotta understand that the car i had at that time uh going going 70 felt like you were doing 35 uh, you know and it uh yeah it, it i have a nice car. car it just was meant to drive and did you pronounce Porsche?
1: Did you did you yourself fund like half of their budget for the year, like the half the town budget? They was got a whole new <laughs> fleet of police cars. <laughs> one ticket. No, not just the not just the force, but the entire community. You know, were they able to were they able to run because they got one big fish? No, that's
4: how Manaway got internet. Gordon got a speeding
1: ticket. <laughs>
3: You know, I like Logan. I had a daughter who went to school there, and uh, she had a, a, a good time, and and it was all good. And uh, but, uh, it, like I said, did I mention that I like Logan? Um, yeah, I Go I, I, didn't like, I didn't like that experience at all. I was, I felt kind of bushwhacked on that one.
1: But when you're going that fast,
3: I wasn't going you
1: really that feel like you were point. bushwhacked.
3: I, I wasn't going that fast. I wasn't going irresponsibly fast.
1: By whose judgment?
3: I wasn't going dangerously fast. By whose I was, judgment? I was under total control and uh, just enjoying my nice leisurely drive up to Logan.
1: Because the people that know, uh, that study these things, you know the science, they determine uh, <laughs> proper speed for safety. It's called the speed limit.
4: Uh, yeah, but in a way <laughs> it's called a speed trap. Yes, I don't know. if Science was consulted when it goes from seventy to twenty-five and back to seventy. You know, Did you
3: always... ever get caught? Did you ever get caught by that guy,
1: us? Of course, who hasn't? Yeah.
3: Well, Jake hasn't. Well, Jake hasn't because Jake drives. You know,
1: I do often he, wonder he, about that though. There's he breaks
3: a, the law going on the minimum side of the speed limit. There's
1: uh there there are stretches like that though, like the one going into Park City from Kimball Junction, going to Park City that goes from like fifty to forty to fifty again. Yeah, I know That's exactly the stretch. One hundred percent got to be on purpose, right?
3: I got a, I got a yes. ticket there once on that very stretch for because my mud flaps on my Jeep weren't quite big enough.
1: There's a mud flap law in this town.
3: He said, "Well, he either that or he was making up stories." How can you see that
4: when you're going sixty plus miles an hour? How can you measure that?
3: I, I, I beats me. I got pulled over. Like if if his thumbnail
4: that. covers it up, it's it's too small. I don't.
3: Sounds fishy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not a big proponent of speeding. I'm not saying hey, it should anybody should be able to go as fast as they want because I like I, I like people to be safe on on the highways and byways, but but I don't like. I like it when when guys are sneaky about you know just catching them for for going just a few miles an hour over the speed limit.
4: I don't like when I get caught doing something wrong either.
1: Where well, yeah, where's that uh, where's that Bob blah, blah blah drop? Are no, you I mean, in yeah. trouble for something someone else noticed? That's where you're going right now.
3: It no. really is. I mean, that look, is what you're there, doing. There, there, look, there is irresponsible driving. All right. There are when you're endangering other people, then no. Don't do it. But when you're on some wide open road and you know that that engine's growling.
0: Why should you go to jail for a crime someone else noticed? <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's yeah, so amazing and
1: so applicable <laughs> in so many ways.
4: Why should I get a speeding ticket because I was speeding?
3: You know, one thing. One thing. And look, we noticed. all have our we we, we we all have our own things. But if you've ever if you've ever driven uh, a nice sports car, they settle in. You know, and you reach a certain speed and they settle in. This, so isn't, they the, they, they, this they, isn't the they,
1: excuse they, you think it is.
3: They drive even better they just settle into the ride and t- oh baby that's uh that's normal i only
1: have one porsche why should you pay a citation for a crime somebody else noticed
3: <laughs> look i was just i was i was like i was like eight, 7 8 miles an hour over the speed that is untrue 78 No, 7 or 8 i said
1: I don't. Nobody listening.
3: Believes I love that. it. I love it when I get when I on the few occasions when I, I don't want to make this sound like this is a regular regular occurrence, but uh, I love it when you get pulled over by a police officer and they give you a warning. You know, because it's a good reminder. You know, be care be careful out there. Drive safe. I wouldn't know. You
1: know, <laughs> Austin doesn't get warnings. I Most love it when I get, get warnings. <laughs> Let go after. <laughs>
3: I love it when, when I, I don't t- get zip tied on the
1: curb <laughs> when I see sunlight again after walking out of holding.
3: Wait, now you were zip tied on the road. You've there? You've heard and that you story. This... Yeah, I know. I just for radio is not linear. You know, maybe some of our listeners didn't know that Austin. Gets it's a, it's a
4: long story, and but we are like
3: eight
4: we, minutes. We over drove now. a car that my in-laws and sister-in-law used to own, and then somebody—I'm not saying it was my wife, but it wasn't me—didn't renew the, the new ownership registration, and then I got pulled over while driving it. And Anyway. They were nice about and, it. And like, they, I'm sorry we have to do this. but they, Didn't they call? They gave me, I called my mother-in-law, I called my wife, I called my sister-in-law. They gave me like 38 minutes to try and get proof. And they were like, I'm sorry, but I believe you, but uh, the law don't. Now, so. now,
1: correct me if I'm getting the end of the story wrong, but didn't you get home And and your wife was just waking up from a real nice nap. She
4: was not oh no, I woke her up from that peaceful slumber.
0: Hello. I went in the house and said Good morning (laughs)
1: Like three inches from her face. (laughs) Having a good sleep, are we? You might want to check your missed calls. (laughs) See these red marks on my wrists. (laughs) They didn't
3: really confine you, did they?
1: Yes, they did. My neighbors drove by and honked. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't somebody see I was a block
3: away from my (laughs) house. But why did did the officer feel like he needed to do that?
4: Because they then had to... uh, I probably... There's probably some attorney out there that says I didn't do this the right way, and they're probably right, but I gave them consent to search through the car, and they, by the textbook, don't (laughs) know if this is my car, don't know if I'm telling the truth, don't know what I don't or do have in the car. So they're gonna confine me so I don't run.
3: So if they so if someone if, if they search your car, what they cuff you?
4: No, what I just told you, the entire
1: list of circumstances yeah. around this. It wasn't just... Austin was under suspicion of stealing, like Grand Theft Auto, like a felony. Yeah, that's not a surprise.
3: I I understand. Okay. I'm just... just, You know, I'm coming from a perspective that knowing Austin and knowing that he wouldn't do that, so obviously the police officer doesn't know you
4: from that. And and he was... He and his partner, who pulled up second, so there were two cop cars, they were very, very, very much saying, we believe you, but we can't just believe you. This isn't Mayberry here.
3: (laughs) Okay. I understand a little so, better now.
1: Anywho. I mean, if your car were boosted, Gordon, you think they wanna you would want the police to give the guy who boosted it the benefit of the doubt? Because <laughs> ah, he, we'll he let you go know, this time. I'm sure you're a great guy.
3: <laughs> give you a warning. We think this car might be stolen, but you go on yeah, ahead.
1: Yeah, hey, it's cool. I'm sure it's a misunderstanding. Have a good day.
3: And meanwhile everybody in the neighborhood is driving by you, Austin?
1: Uh yeah, I had I had a family
4: a neighbor family. Drive by and kind of slow down and honk and go,
3: Brother Horton!
1: <laughs> yeah, it, hey, hey. <laughs> Better that uh, than, like, well, they finally got him. Yeah. <laughs> you
4: know, I, mean, I like, knew it!
1: I knew, it. Did I knew they, we had uh, this coming. What took you so long, <laughs> officer?
3: This is, a, this is a question that maybe I shouldn't ask, especially since we're late here. But Very late. Did they find any contraband?
4: Why would I answer that?
1: Oh, are we are we going to break now? Was, was this a, a cross you, examination a follow up? There, what, what are you implying?
3: What? They searched it. They searched the car. I just wonder if they found anything. It was powdered donuts.
4: <laughs> Hans gave them to me. Uh,
1: all right, so. all right. We should go. Stay tuned. <laughs> we'll have more next. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty, the zone. Ah! Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Jerry Seiner. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac, Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Gordon, we're going to talk to Mike Santo coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour. It covers the NFL for the Athletic, and uh, we'll talk to him about if there's anything Zach Wilson can do to not go to the Jets. Did you see how... Excited, Sam Darnold was yesterday on the video that they released. How excited out. he was! Now, some might tell you he's excited to be a Panther, but really, we all know that he was excited no longer to be a Jet, right?
3: Was it was it like he was starred in a movie, Escape from New
1: York? It looked like uh, somebody who'd had a rebirth, you know.
3: You know that that's a great point, and this is something that you've hammered a whole lot. But you go to an organization that is in. Flux, who doesn't really provide you the offensive weapons you need, doesn't really provide you the offensive protection you need, and then what? You get blamed for the lack of uh, production.
1: I it, mean, yeah, it happens a lot. And I wow. wonder, you know, I wonder if he gets another opportunity. Like uh, the the best example of this really is uh, Austin's guy Ryan Tannehill. And ironically enough, they're getting away from the same coach. But if he goes to, uh, to the Panthers and has some success, you know, Ryan Tannehill, people don't realize this, and it's really unfair. He's a good player, and he's put mm-hmm. together two seasons that have been really good seasons. Now, I got it. He's got Derrick Henry, and I'm not saying that uh, he's Patrick Mahomes or anything, but he is right. a good player. But still, to this day, can't shake the failures that, that was there uh, with Miami. I mean, don't we all? Aren't we all guilty of it? Where we uh, we see Ryan Tannehill's name pop up in a story, and we automatically think he sucks.
4: I'm a Titans fan that's watched the success that he's put together there, and I still don't believe it. Right, I still do not buy it.
3: Sorry. So you have a new coach. You have a new coach with the Jets, and would, would you feel uh, compelled to start over at quarterback? Because I know Sam Darnold had like the worst quarterback rating in the league last year but again a lot of this wasn't his fault so i i mean do you feel like as a new coach you need to come in and make a change there if you have an opportunity in the draft to do so yes
1: and here's why because if you get it wrong and picking the the wrong quarterback odds are you're going to be fired i mean so but if well, yeah, but if you pick yeah, a rookie quarterback, it buys you more time because uh, you have the, well, we're, we're still developing and blah, blah, blah. And it's cheaper. And it's cheaper. Because they would
3: have had to pay Darnold, like, what, next year would have to pay him a $21 or million or, so, or $18 million or some such? You know, and you bring in a rookie, and you start uh, at the lower end of that.
1: And your spectrum. clock starts but, over as a coach. I mean, yeah, you, you get yeah, a fresh start, and you get to build it, and they're going to give you at least some time unless – you're coaching for the Browns, and then they'll probably fire you. Although they found because a guy it, it now sure, who's had some success. But how sure long did Freddie Kitchens last?
3: If, if the Jets had been willing to trade that pick, it seems like they could have made a haul. Probably. Because there's a bunch of teams that need quarterbacks now, and it's, it's an interesting uh, direction to go. Where you, a Quarterback is so important. But I don't know whether Sam Darnold's a good quarterback or not. I don't. I could, certainly couldn't say with any kind of definitive or declarative statement, say, hey, that guy can't play.
1: How, how do we know? Well, we're going to find out if it really is the curse of Adam Gase and the New York Jets with Darnold anyway, because uh, the Panthers need somebody, so he's going to play.
3: Gase had a track record of uh, of having players play beneath what the expectation yes, was. Yes,
1: and the Jets hired him. <laughs> he did that with the Dolphins and the Jets hired him.
3: Well, Joe Douglas is really with this move, if he drafts Zach Wilson, he's essentially putting his reputation on I mean, this this move, if it doesn't work out for him, he'll be fired. Right. So, if he if he's going to pick Zach Wilson, he must really believe that this is the guy. Because if it doesn't pan out, he's out of there. He's going to be fired. This is that big of a move. I wonder how much pressure that puts on Zach w- Zach Wilson. I mean, but it was not he only did. are you going to a franchise that has struggled in this regard, you're going to a franchise in New York City, the media capital of the world. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then you got to. Then you got people's jobs on the line that are resting on your shoulders because they believe in you.
1: That's life in the NFL, man. That's what you sign I up guess. for. That's why you mm. you get paid the big bucks.
3: Wouldn't that be something if the Judge drafted Justin Fields instead?
1: The best thing that could happen to Zach Wilson.
3: <laughs> Go to the Niners.
1: Somewhere <laughs> else.
3: Yeah.
1: Somewhere else, I think you'd be better going to the AFL if that's still a thing than the Jets. <laughs> I, don't
3: think, I don't think that's still a thing.
1: No, <laughs> what did the what league did no, the Rock because, buy the other day? What's that? It wasn't the AAF; it was the other one, the XFL. Oh, uh, yeah, look that up. The Rock bought uh, is part of it anyway. From
4: Vince McMahon or yeah, whatever. I think so. Uh
1: uh-huh. huh. Hmm. He was going to revive it. Good luck with that. All
0: right.
1: All right, stay tuned. We'll have a market update uh, coming up next, as we mentioned our friend Mike Santo at four, Bowler at five. It's The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280
0: The Zone. now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires, Big o tires. the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 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 My
1: it's a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The We've got a market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Uh, go to TridayTrading.com. We'll talk to Mike Sando of The Athletic coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. But Gordon, how did the markets do today?
3: Well, Jake, after yesterday's rousing day, today was a little less rousing. The S&P was off uh, just about four points.
0: You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what they do it for, but if we can't come out of a slow record. I don't understand it. Is Don down on the phone. <laughs> Tell him to sell.
3: That'll, that'll never not be funny. The NASDAQ was off just over seven points.
0: See, when you come out of those up tempo numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions, and then you got to go into somebody dying.
3: And the Dow, which had reached an all time high yesterday, was off uh, just shy of 97 points.
0: This the last time. I want somebody use his brain to not come out of a record that is, uh, that, that's up tempo, and I got to talk about a dog dying.
3: <laughs> yeah, Snuggles had a rough go. Or Lucy, or whoever oh, else you know. Oh
0: man! So like not a that. great day. Not
1: a great day.
3: Not great, but not horrible. Just kind of. Bleh. All, right. All
1: right. Well, thank you, and thank you to the good folks at uh, TryDayTrading.com. Did you watch One Sun Shining Moment, Austin? I did. Uh, I did not stay up for it. I caught it
4: on a uh, on YouTube several hours you later. You actually sought it out. Yeah, I like you. Unlike you, I like One Shining Moment. Uh, and I get that it's cheesy. I get that it's ridiculous. And I get that it uh, it represents everything I hate about the NCAA. But at the same time, I, it's tradition. I can't get away. How from many
1: it. Uh, crying uh, players were there in this year's version? I don't
4: remember. <laughs> oh, that's not true. I can remember, too twos on the bench they, and yeah. they
1: highlight the the devastated players in their most vulnerable condition and well, they put, do, they put do it to an upbeat that. song and uh, they
3: over they overcook it a little bit and it's a little it is sappy i enjoyed it less last night than i have in a long time i'm
4: with you gordon yeah and i thought you know that we didn't get it last year they've had a two-year hiatus i thought they were going to come big with it and it was just kind of slapped together it seemed
3: yeah, I, I just it wasn't, it wasn't, and I did. I always stick around for it. I don't like all the stuff after the game, you know, the cutting down of the nets and the, and you know the, the amplification of the greatness of college sports when those players are out there playing and you know getting darn near nothing and the and the institutions and the ncaa are getting billions of dollars (laughs) but you like the pro
4: sports championship celebrations right
3: i do i do well i don't don't watch
4: any of them i can't
3: well i'd like the i like the moment right as the game ends when when the real uh emotion is shown i don't i don't like the speeches and the all that stuff, That's, I don't want to uh, stick around
1: for did that. Did Nance give out his tie? Because he had stopped doing that for a while, and I thought that that was pretty...
4: I don't know if he did. I thought I that was either. a
1: pretty egocentric kind of thing.
4: His final call was clearly on a 3 by 5 card before the game. Though. Was it? Oh, yeah. You know he's got Gonzaga in his left breast and, and Baylor in his right breast, and whoever wins, he pulls that one out of there. <laughs> Sounds like a Dr. Seuss limerick. It was It was
3: poetic. Uh, what did he say last night? He said, I can't remember, but I did note it. That, Baylor uh, with the rebound and the rebuild. Yes, and, yes, uh, yes, that was it, Austin. Good call there. You got it. And, you know, look, Jim Jim has gotten to the point where he is really part of the show. I mean, he's been doing it for so long, and uh, he, he's just sort of interjected himself somehow. Or been interjected into the middle of all that. that it's Jim Nance
4: week,
1: man. You got the championship yesterday, and now you got the Masters. That's what I didn't like about his stupid tie thing. It's like you're, Jim, you're you're the broadcaster. You think that you think that basketball player cares about your stupid tie? <laughs> it's like when <laughs> when Locke started to
4: hand out his game notes because Donovan was handing his shoes out before the game, and so Locke then. Was handing out his game notes to random people, and after about two times, people he couldn't get anyone to take them. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm the broadcaster with the game notes. No one wants these."
3: <laughs> is that true? I didn't know anything he was, about
4: it. to be, he was trying
1: to be funny about it, right? But
4: Nance actually is like, "I'm Jim Nance. Here's my tie."
1: Do you think? Do you think he gets home? The player gets home with the tie, his mom's like, "What is this?" The kid's like, I don't know, some weirdo gave me his tie. <laughs> Put it in the D.I. pile. And...
3: <laughs> oh, they know who Jim Nance is. Some weirdo.
1: Some weirdo microphone stand gave me his tie.
4: <laughs> he called me his friend. It was weird. Here's my tie, friend.
1: How many 20-year-olds do you think actually Here's do a tie for the ages. No, Jim Nance. No, oh, I think we, None I of think
4: them. They, oh, yeah, they do. No, they
1: Jim none Jim of them. Is. I don't think so. No.
4: Aren't you the guy that grows the flowers at Augusta?
3: <laughs> don't call me friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't see Nance handing the winner at the Masters his tie.
3: Well, here tiger. To, to complete Here's the ensemble,
1: ensemble
4: with that sport coat. Here's a tie. You know. <laughs>
3: Actually, true. Do you think that's condescending? Yes,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's very yes. egotistical. Yeah, it completely. Here, like, here this, my
3: tie would be very important to you. This basketball yes.
1: player is going to honor this tie for the rest of his life.
3: Oh, he's going to throw <laughs> D- it in the garbage DJ can and, as soon as he gets home. <laughs> DJ at Augusta. Imagine here Jim takes his tie off and gives it to him, and he says, I don't want that piece of crap. Now, let
4: me show you how to tie it, son. Now, I know this so, is I'll a great you, honor those, some, for
1: you, but here is my tie.
3: Some of those ties are pretty expensive.
1: May though. you remember this moment for the rest of your life. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm yeah. Jim Nance. Back uh, to you. The,
3: I'll bet you Jim's ties probably run good two, 300 bucks.
4: Fine. <laughs> I don't need it.
1: Give it to somebody in the, in the crowd or You're something. You're going to fence then. it at the,
4: pit, at the pawn shop? How, what good is it to you? He used
1: it as some kind of trophy, like I give away my tie every year. Now, he hasn't done this in a while. I think I read 2015, I think was the last time that he did it. Isn't it
4: an NCAA violation to gift yeah, it's a, an amateur yeah. athlete? And as
1: Gordon just said, Jim Nance is wearing like $5,000 mm. ties.
4: You ever had a good tie? The most I've ever paid for a tie was like eighteen dollars, and then I was like, "This is too much for a tie."
1: I honestly couldn't <laughs> tell you the last time I bought a tie. Maybe never. Yeah. You inherit ties. Does anybody like? You find them, right? <laughs> I,
3: I had a friend. If you said to him, "Hey, I like your tie," he'd give it to you. Gymnast Nance style. Mm-hmm.
1: Did he say it's an honor to receive this? <laughs> It's an honor for you to have may my you, tie. May you cherish this moment for the rest <laughs> okay, of your so life. Okay, so
3: look, since we've brought this up, what's the story behind him giving people his tie? Something must have happened. What? Why, why would he do that?
1: Well, you see, one day he woke up and thought, you know who's a big deal? Me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know who thinks he's a big deal?
1: <laughs> me. Man,
3: that'd be me again. Oh.
1: All right, stay tuned. Mike Sando joins us next, <laughs> 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.